Welcome to episode 188 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Expect Anything Different edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co host, uh, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, a computer genius, a uh, gentleman, scholar, and uh, congrats to the man. He has gotten a promotion, so now he gets to spend more money at Jacksonville Jaguars games. His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? I am doing great, Phil. Yeah, that's uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I might have to be doing a lot more games. We'll see, um, depending on how the Jags do. Um, it's more fun, you know, to see them when they're playing good, but uh, we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, good racing here at Texas uh, this past weekend, of course. Um, and, you know, now we get into the thick of the playoffs uh, here in the round of 12. So, yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, pretty. Uh condensed week here on the gsp nascar centric and then with texas the texas dump and then talladega and then uh formula one in suzuka um and even the roundup only has uh three uh races mostly motorcycles so uh we'll also talk about the indycar schedule release and uh, the Tate Fogelman algorithm is going to come out of hibernation for the last time in uh, 2023. It'll uh, go in hiding until the Daytona 500. So we'll see what it spits out for us. If it comes up with something really crazy, there's some interesting pain schemes that have been announced. So we'll see what's going on with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll start with the cup series at texas it was uh carnage filled the texas race uh the auto trader echo park automotive 400 thankfully they cut 100 miles out of this race because it ended up being 314 if they had run another 100 miles it would have probably been another hour uh in the end uh william byron showing what he usually does which is right there late in races backdooring victories he's backdoored another one gets his sixth win of the 2023 season locks himself into the round of eight uh in in uh at the expense of uh daryl wallace jr who qualified on pole and led the most laps uh strategy in the stages left him without many stage points though uh, it's kind of a loss there but uh, we'll get into that. William Byron was the winner, as I said. Uh, Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, your top five. Kevin Harvick from 22nd to 6th. Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez, Richard, and Chase Briscoe rounded out the top 10. Uh, William Clyde Elliott II was 11th. Uh, Chris Buescher started on the front row but finished 14th. Carson Osovar gets another top 20 finish. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. is 17th in terms of some of these other drivers. Tyler Reddick, 25th, won the first stage. Uh, had issues later on with pit stops and all. Ryan Blaney's car was dog crap the whole weekend and then got involved in a wreck. Uh, Eric Jones was up front for a good amount of the race and then uh, got involved in an incident. Kyle Larson led the second most laps and was racing uh Bubba late and uh lost the air on his on the spoiler and put it in the fence speaking of somebody who lost it and put it in the fence Kyle Busch yet again 
goes and uh, destroys his uh, eight car and uh, another DNF for him. We'll see what that means in regards to the, his playoff. Um, if he can last, if he can get out of this round, because he's this has basically been what Kyle Busch has been doing for months. Keebler Gibbs ran into the side of Denny Hamlin and got eliminated on the spot. So there's that. Uh, 22 lead changes amongst 13 drivers. 11 cautions for 55 laps. Uh, the biggest one was the uh, lap 257 incident, which took out Blaney, Sindrick, Zane Smith, A.J. Allmendinger, um, Tyler Reddick, and Carson Osovar there. Uh, yeah, in the end, Bubba Wallace was pretty hard on himself, Josh, going and saying he choked it on that last restart. Uh, you didn't see it. There was a bunch of restarts late in the race. He made the a really good restart against Larson, drove him, you know, door to door and was able to come out the other side with the lead. And then Chase Briscoe with who, after being absolute trash all through the weekend, got used pitch strategy. Uh, you know, that's part of why uh, they have um, Boswell up there. Uh, he took a gamble, uh, did two tires, got him track position, and then the car was not horrible. Of course, it wasn't a winning car, but you know, you give yourself track position, you never know, especially because it's Texas. Uh, in the end, Briscoe had pushed Bubba on a, at least one of those restarts, and on what ended up being the final restart, he was on the inside of uh, Bubba there, and they raced into one and two. Bubba had issues uh, with uh, holding on to his car, so he had to get out of it. Briscoe took the lead briefly, but then ended up getting tight coming off of two, which allowed Byron to go three wide past both of them and uh, take the victory. Uh, I think the two pieces here, of course, is uh, Byron gets another victory, locks himself into the round of eight, going into two theoretical wildcard races of Talladega and the Roval. He's comfortable working on trying to get more stuff playoff points while there's a lot of stress for some of these other drivers that are involved in the playoff and then secondarily uh, what Darrell Wallace Jr. did yet another uh, one and a half mile racetrack shows his speed shows his uh, capabilities for you know even though people want to go and act like they're segments of the population that don't want to act they want to act like he can't drive he can drive and he drove pretty darn well uh the strategy in the stages probably wasn't the greatest, but he was up front when it mattered. And unfortunately, uh, that last restart, large, I, I mean, personally, I thought Byron was laying back there and that led to, was one piece of why uh, Bubba ended up having the issues that he had, because if if they actually made him go and run, you know, close together, then I don't know if Byron would have had the run, if he had the room all that but it is what it is byron has is having a career year and uh he's putting himself uh, right in the right on the on deck to be in the final four josh and uh daryl walsh jr even with what he said was a choke uh showed once again that he is somebody that has pace has speed and he can win. Uh, it's unfor. He's been close so far this year. It's just been 
uh, just a little bit here and there. So uh, what do you take away from this Texas race on Sunday? Well, yeah, I think, you know, going to right into that finish there with uh, Bubba Wallace and uh, William Byron on that restart, um, you talk about first Chase Briscoe. Um, if you go back to the previous restart where he was able to give uh, Bubba a really good launch off the restart, uh, it seems like maybe he damaged the splitter or the front bumper or something and, um, you know, changed the aerodynamics on that. And so now when he's, you know, going... Uh, up on the front row and goes into the middle of turn one and two and is trying to hold his line. You know, that's why he got tight and, you know, kind of pushed Bubba up, up the track there off of turn two and kind of slowed, slowed some of his momentum. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, that gives Byron the inside line going to turn three, but I think Bubba, um, you know, obviously you give him a lot of credit for being more competitive, but I, you know, I think, you know, one area I think he needs to improve on is just, you know, closing the deal there. And I think, for me personally, like I think it, instead of trying, if you look at the replay, you saw how he kind of drove a shallow line going into turn three to try to uh, take air away from uh, William Byron there. I think if he just arced his corner as normal, like taking the the top um, and everything, I think he would have been okay. And I think they would have met up side by side, William Byron um, there, in, like towards you know the mid mid corner, you know th- of turns three and four there at Texas. So, um, and you know, maybe they would have dueled it out side by side for the lead again, like he was doing with Larson or something like that. Um, so at least on that restart lap, um, could have, uh, done a better job there of, you know, holding his ground. And I think he alluded to that in his interview and everything, um, post race, but, um, that's kind of what I thought about, you know, that finish there and, um, you know, how that went down, um, but, you know, definitely for Bubba's, you know, definitely improved uh, this season. You know, just hasn't had ability uh, to win yet um, so far. But, you know, he's been performing, you know, a lot a lot better, um, even better than, you know, what he was doing last year, uh, which, you know, was a career year for him there uh, at 23-11. So um, building on it, and, you know, I think you have to consider with him, only being two points out, you know, even though he didn't win, obviously you win, you get into the round of eight, uh, and you know, then there's a very real chance that he actually could make it to the final four. But, um, you know, if you make it to, uh, uh, Talladega only two points out of the, uh, round of eight or, you know, the cutoff for the round of eight, then I think that's a pretty good position to be in. Um, obviously two points out, you want to be on the inside, but, um, uh, you know, you, race you race with uh i guess knowing knowing that you just need to be you know gain two points you know on the other end if you're only two points behind or ahead you know you feel like you're on shaky ground you have to drive conservatively but i think you know if you on the outside looking in like that you know you got nothing to lose so you know small big picture i guess you could say there so only two points out of that's a you know pretty decent position to be in and um you know you got talladega which is good track for him uh and everything coming up and, you know, the Roval, I know he's not that good on road courses, but he's you know definitely improved some in, you know, the last year or two on there. Uh, so, you know, um, as much as much as, you know, for fans and, you know, disappointing to uh, run, you know, that close to winning and, you know, not get it, you know, still, uh, you know, still a lot to, you know, take away from that. So that's, uh, you know, first takeaway from that. Uh, but then, 
you know, also throughout the race, yeah, a lot of, a lot of cautions, you know, throughout it, uh, of course, um, you know, towards the end, you know, had the, you know, wreck with, uh, Kyle Larson, you know, wrecking out there, Kyle Bush wrecked, uh, and everything. So, you know, turn, turns out that, you know, turn one and two is calamity corner again, which I think usually is at Texas and everything. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of incidents here, you know, this weekend and definitely had, uh, playoff guys that had issues like mentioned Larson, Kyle Bush, you know, both of them now on shaky ground going into, uh, Talladega, uh, Ryan Blaney, uh, also, you know, somebody that I think we thought would have performed better so far in this playoffs, uh, you know, on, on shaky ground. So, uh, here, so, and, and Tyler Reddick also, you know, he got, was in that caution with Ryan Blaney kind of triggered that one getting tight off of, uh, turn four there, um, after the Larson caution. And, you know, that was kind of a, uh, poor showing there after their effort that they had where they led 36 laps and won the first stage. So, um, yeah, for Reddick, uh, and a lot of those other playoff guys, you know, they lost ground and everything and, you know, they're going to, but Wallace seemingly still on the outside looking in actually gained ground, uh, with his points position, you know, after this race, you know, compared to what he had going in. So, um, you know, for a lot of these guys, now they got to go to Talladega with a sense of urgency. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a typical Texas race, you know, where we don't really see you know, a whole lot of passing for your lead, but the pass, I guess the battles that we did see, uh, definitely good battles that we see, especially, you know, towards the end, like talking about with Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson, but you know, of course a lot of, a lot of crashing throughout. So it's definitely a, you know, kind of an eventful race for sure. Eventful race for sure, and uh, par for the course with this reconfigure with the one turn one and two being flatter, and essentially if you get out of the the low lower groove or the lane after uh, above it, you're in no man's land. Uh, putting it in the wall, uh, three and four is still the same, but with three and four you have the exit which tightens up. Uh, the transitions not as bad as they used to be, but uh, definitely a track where uh, you're going to have more spread out racing. And the this next gen Gen Seven car has been really good at cookie cutter tracks, but in this case, yeah, it's kind of meh. Uh, but it it feeds into what has become the recent trend which is the toyotas have been really solid uh on a weekly basis so and especially on one and a half mile racetracks uh reddick ended up winning a stage bubba ends up leading the most laps you had the you had the likes of christopher bell and denny hamlin up there so i mean it shows that uh toyotas aren't going away there uh you know, with with Elliot, he was up there late in the race trying to get that elusive victory this year. So was Briscoe. Uh, Daniel Suarez ran top ten basically the entire day. When people or the the vultures are starting to come around for him because of all the stuff going on with the uh, trackhouse racing. Uh, Brad Keselowski, solid, quiet top ten. Kevin Harvick gets eliminated out of the the chase and then finishes top 10 the next week. You got, I mean, there were some movers uh, relative to what, 
you would expect because it's really track position centric. But you know, it's Texas Motor Speedway. It's not a not you can't really be shocked by anything anymore when it comes to this that dump. But um, yeah, so we'll move forward here. The drivers' point standings moving into Talladega this coming weekend. Kyle Larson is on the cutoff. Uh, plus two over Bubba, as uh, Josh mentioned, plus three over Tyler Reddick, uh, plus 11 over Ryan Blaney, and uh, what is it, uh, six, 17 points above on Kyle Busch. So that's the situation there. Um, Brad Keselowski is plus eight, um, and Ross Chastain is plus 12. It's really right now. Byron, of course, is locked in. Um, the, and then Hamlin's got pretty good points. It's condensed from there on, from Busher on. So we'll see what happens at Talladega for sure. It can affect the with the playoff points and going and racing for those how or, or stage points how that'll affect the the standings this coming weekend. Uh, the Xfinity Series race, uh, similar to what. Uh, took place on uh, Sunday for Saturday. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek ends up getting his seventh win of 2023, locks himself into the round of eight. Uh, Parker Kligerman was up there with a chance to win the race, and uh, uh, whether it was he got tight or whatever, he ended up uh, not being able to hold Oh, he took the lead off over all guy got him and then but Nemechek came around him and uh got the victory. Kligerman wanted that victory pretty bad, uh, of course, but in the end uh he ends up runner up. Don Hunter Nemechek, the winner, uh led the second most laps in the race. Kligerman, Sammy Smith gets a top five finish, so rare for him considering what he's been doing recently. Uh, Chandler Smith fourth, Justin Allgaier started on pole, won both stages, led the most laps, uh, ends up holding the bag and finishing fifth. Cole Custer led 28 laps and got good stage points, finished sixth. Austin Hill, Sheldon Creed, uh, Brockshot Jones, and Brett Moffitt round out the top 10. Uh, trying to go through some of the... Yeah, Daniel Hemrick ended up having... Uh, I think there was electrical problems for Daniel Hemrick, or I think, I think it was electrical problems for Hemrick, and uh, he was running in the top ten, pretty solid. But uh, those issues and and you know getting and going and wrecking left him twenty fourth. Josh Berry got stage points, but he got involved in a wreck. Uh, it's not looking great for him in his chase to possibly win the title. Jeb Burton went scorched earth on uh, his pit crew and basically threw him under the bus because the left rear wheel was left loose and uh, his the whatever the axle cap uh, came off and the whole the axle fell out of the damn car. He was running top 10 when before all those issues started too. So it was a rough uh, situation for them. Uh, ends up 31st. Trevor Bain was driving for Gibbs in the Interstate Batteries car. Started second. Good stage points, but ends up wrecked. And then Sam Mayer uh, put it in the fence 
on the first slap in turns one and two after he had said that he was going to take it easy and you're going to go and build up into the race. He literally puts it in the fence uh, 20 seconds into the race. So there is that. Uh, it's in a lot of ways, it's similar to uh, this whole, uh, what you call Will Byron deal uh, in that he's been a dominant figure in terms of wins. I mean, I, has he been dominant? I think the Watkins Glen race was dominant. But if you're going to ask, has he been dominant in many other races? I wouldn't say, I can't really say for sure. However, when it comes to John Hunter Nemechek, he's been dominant. Uh, in a lot of cases today the this past weekend wasn't uh an instance of that but right place at the right time got the got the track position and was able to earn that victory lock into the round of eight um so he's uh comfortable talladega is a hit or miss track for him anyway um the road courses he's been garbage on the road courses so that really gives him uh a bit of you know uh a respite there so he doesn't have to worry about the roval uh but john under goes out there josh and gets another uh victory um and parker kligerman and even justin algar are left to wonder what could have been after they put themselves or they're in position to win the race for a good amount of it at least in algar's case yeah definitely and yeah i think yeah obviously been a very dominant season for john hernan nemechek uh but you know, he's somebody that just been throughout the year been good on speed throughout the entire you know season so now he wins and locks himself into the Xfinity round of eight here so you know definitely a good start for him uh you know Justin Algar missed opportunity there but you know honestly he's still uh got a good cushion uh to you know stay safe in um, only 11 points behind the the points lead and uh, well, well above that uh, cut line there, and you know Parker Clearman. I think that's you know the real you know missed opportunity. Obviously, uh, at the you know towards the bottom, right, right on that cut line, still one point out, but um, you know definitely a, a win for him changes everything and definitely shakes up the field uh, in terms of points there. So you know definitely for uh, Clearman could have been could have been something there. I think you know especially for Carr and a, a team that. You know, doesn't win as much. You know, Algar. You know, they've won fairly often. You know, throughout his time there, so um, not really a you know huge loss. But you know, for somebody that doesn't win as often, Park Clearman doesn't really find himself at the front uh, of the pack that often. So he, you know, definitely could have had an opportunity there. But um, some of these other guys, yeah, like uh, Sam Mayer, of course, crashing. You know, early. Uh, Josh Berry um, having issues throughout the race and, you know, finishing multiple laps down, you know, definitely, definitely not the start that he wanted. Uh, and obviously now Barry and Sam Mayer are both towards the bottom of the standing. So, um, you know, I think for Deer Motorsports, you know, fans, you know, your best shot is uh, looking like it's probably going to be Algar for uh, the title more than likely. So yeah, that's a tough start there. And then, you know, talk about uh, other guys that could be on the bubble, like Daniel Hemrick, of course had a wreck, there on lap 195 uh so you know definitely uh or you know stayed out of the race after 195 laps so you know definitely uh problems there for uh him and um you know now being on the cut line he's only one point above going into 
a road course where you know he definitely needs that uh, result. You know, something to that he's gonna have to you know have two weeks to prepare for uh, before going into the Roval. So um, you know, good good start for the uh, playoffs here in the Xfinity Series. I think the names that we expect are performing, and you know, I think as we go you know throughout the next couple of races here, we'll we'll see you know how it goes. I think the road course is gonna definitely be a wild card event, and then you know people that need to win they'll have one more shot uh, at Las Vegas for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's where they're not going to be racing at Talladega this weekend. So uh, going to the Roval uh, wild card, I mean, after racing here at Texas Motor Speedway and destroying plenty of equipment, uh, you got to build yourself up and you have to put yourself in a position. You know, the Roval will be the last race of the first round for the Xfinity Series, then they'll uh, get into Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville. They'll race the last uh, five weeks of the season uh, uh, consecutively. So that'll uh, their last off week is this weekend uh, with them. So uh, we will see what happens with that. They'll have time to prepare the road course cars, uh, the teams that really need uh, a miracle or a Hail Mary, the likes of... Uh, I mean, not, Jeb Burton, it doesn't really matter. He ain't going to do it. Josh Berry's not a great road racer. Uh, Mayer has the ability because he's won two road races so far this year. Kligerman is uh, considered a big-time road racer. He's only a point of, uh, behind Hemrick, nine points behind Sheldon Creed. So those that's really where uh, the situation is. Um, after... after what you call uh, and and Nemechek are both uh, locked in to uh, the round of eight. So uh, Custer, uh, pretty certain he'll go and he'll be all right. Same for Austin Hill. Gets kind of some a little sketchy for the Smiths, and then from then on. So we will uh, get into that more next week for the Xfinity series. Uh, and what's going on with them leading into their uh, cutoff for the first round. So, yeah, we'll uh, move forward here into the uh, Japanese Grand Prix, uh, which saw the uh, you-know-who get another victory uh, after a, a odd a circumstance at Singapore where he didn't have a qualifying pace, committed multiple infractions that weren't uh addressed then uh was racing from 11th ended up uh, getting a top five finish but he wasn't uh the factor that he usually is where he dominates and wins by 10 20 30 seconds this weekend was uh basically what it has been all year he got a good start was able to hold off the mclarens and actually utilized his uh teammate sergio perez's issues um, to make a bigger gap during the VSC, which in turn basically, I mean, the race was over at the start, of course, but really that VSC and then Lando Norris having to hold back because he didn't know if he should overtake or not, um, lost him tons of time, put him in the crosshairs of the Ferraris and the Mercedes. But, you know, that's uh, that's racing there for um, for the... Japanese Grand Prix uh, will get 
let me just get the results quickly here. Um, leading into, uh, of course, uh, yeah. So leading into Qatar uh, for the, the Qatar Grand Prix, they'll uh, the results we'll get into. So uh, Fish Lips gets a victory by 19.387 seconds over Lando Norris. Oscar Piastri finishes third, first podium of his career. Charles Eclair, fourth. Lewis Hamilton, fifth. Carlos Sainz, sixth. George Russell, seventh. Fernando Alonso, eighth. Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly round out the top ten. Uh, Liam Lawson ended up finishing ahead of Yuki Tsunoda, uh, lap down uh, after uh, the announcement was made that uh, Yuki Tsunoda will continue for another year and Daniel Ricciardo will uh, be his teammate in the Alpha Tories for, or whatever they're going to be called in 2024. Uh, but Liam Lawson has been guaranteed a seat for 2025 from what is out there in the news. I think uh, team play is something that we definitely have to look into because the McLarens had to do team play. Uh, Lando was basically muttering and wanting to get position on Piastri. In the end, Piastri was able to move over, and they didn't lose so much time. Uh, the Mercedes basically bottled their situation, largely because George Russell is so obsessed in beating Lewis Hamilton that he forgot the greater goal, which is they're trying to stay in second in the Constructors' Championship. Ferrari's up there. He he goes and seeds the position earlier to Lewis. He can go and maintain with the older tires and have more to fight with with Carlos Sainz instead of what ended up being the case. And uh, with the Alpines, the two French guys, there are definitely um, a little bit of friction after having to do a swap uh, late in the race there. So I mean that was that's the main I think one of the main stories from was all the team play that had to take place at uh, Suzuka because otherwise uh, there really wasn't a whole hell of a lot. Sergio Perez ran into I don't, ran into everything, hit everything but the lottery. Uh, they figured out that there's a rule in the in the that you can actually if you go and retire the car you can come back out and uh start over again or start again so because he had had multiple penalties he had a five second penalty for avoidable contact they put the car back together had him go back out and um, run one or one lap and bring him back in to serve his penalty so we won't have that um at qatar but uh, same old same old at least with the top step they win the constructors championship so two years in a row for uh red bull and uh but uh, mclaren's definitely showed a lot of pace and i think they're gonna be uh a force to be i mean they've been a force to be reckoned with since uh silverstone but i think the rest of the season is going to be interesting that dynamic between the teammates because they're going to be there for a while both uh norris and and piastri so how they race each other trying to manage uh constructors points and all how things go but i mean interesting race for sure josh uh behind what usually happens yeah definitely an interesting race there um yeah, obviously red bull with verstappen 
getting right this past weekend, getting back to their usual form that they've shown throughout the season and, you know, completely dominating. Um, of course, you mentioned Sergio Perez running into everything and then dropping out of the race, but then coming back uh, to serve the penalty rather than carrying it into the next race with a grid drop. That's something pretty interesting. I haven't really seen that uh you know, Formula One something that's definitely rare, and wonder wonder if um, they're going to do something about that because we don't really ever see that type of strategy kind of come out. So, uh, interested to see what the stewards you know have to say about that later in you know the week or later in the year. So we'll see about that. Uh, but you know, you had that obviously, and then um, the McLarens. I thought the McLarens were really impressive this weekend. Obviously, finishing on podium in second and third and um yeah you're right that these two teammates norris and piastri are able to uh work together uh piastri uh was holding up norris briefly uh you know in the middle point of the race but you know they were able to orchestrate the overtake there for uh norris to get out in front and you know had a little bit of racing there which is interesting but the faster guy was Norris and he definitely needed to get get around him and they got him to get a, you know around his teammate there so that's an example of good teammates, and then obviously whatever whatever's wrong with Russell and uh, Hamilton, obviously they're beginning to clash with each other for whatever reason. And you know, Russell, of course, had an interesting strategy there, going on one stop, uh, and you know he had gotten up to fourth in that uh, you know beginning of the race, but then you know he dropped out to get his uh, one stop and everything, and um, just don't know if that was the right strategy. Uh, to do that everybody else was on two stops uh, so not really sure you know what there was to gain you know especially um with how you know tire wear is and how um pace that they would have compared to um other you know the other cars around them so you know definitely a a mistake there for him to you know not only do that but then also um race uh, his teammate hard and um you know delay or derail uh whatever um pace that he was on for hamilton to um you know improve his finish there so uh could have been a little bit higher finish for hamilton we'll see but you know clearly shows that you have two two um you know mclaren teammates working together but then the you know the mercedes guys their engine suppliers they're uh definitely not working as well together currently so a bit of an interesting uh you know theatric uh that we're seeing right now there but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting carnage that kind of went on throughout this race. Um, you know, we saw Logan Sargent get into it with uh, Valtteri Bottas, um, and then they retired with damage. Lance Stroll retired out of the race with a broken rear wing, um, and you know, with another you know retirement with Alex Albon and um, everything. And then, um, of course, mentioned Perez already. So, uh, you know, definitely a kind of an eventful race there i mean not like texas or anything like that but uh you know definitely for uh what we expect to see in japan here in formula one you know definitely uh kind of eventful there towards you know towards the end so um yeah uh, we'll see how it goes uh here after you know coming up and i think they're the u.s grand prix or no uh qatar grand prix is next so we'll see how uh how they perform there uh and sure it'll be more of the same up front but you know interested now in this dynamic that we're seeing with george russell and lewis hamilton 
definitely something that we're going to have to keep uh, track of as the rest of the season goes on. Uh, I mean, but definitely um, concur with everything you were saying there um, in terms of what the race was and how some of these teams are going about it. I mean, Logan Sargent, you mentioned him. He wrecked his car in qualifying, and uh, which is yet another incident, unforced error. Uh, and now there's only one seat left uh, that hasn't been announced, and it's his. And he hasn't scored a point this year while Alex Albon has scored a good amount relative to what Williams has been over the last few years. So it's something you have to look at. Um, will is Williams going to go and look at the likes of a Ralph shoot or not Ralph, um, Mick Schumacher or some other, you know, would they go Liam Lawson since they already got one Red Bull guy? Uh, do they go some other way? It's something to be, uh, something to be, um, looked at. Logan Sargent has a week off to go and reset and going to a new track, uh, essentially, uh, they haven't been there in a couple of years, so uh, the data is diff- will be different uh, with this car compared to the car that they had a couple of years ago. So um, maybe an opportunity for him to go and um, overcome some of these mistakes that he's had recently. Uh, and yeah, Valtteri Botas just had a nightmare weekend uh, for for him, and then there was uh, like a. Yeah, there's a double retirement, of course, for Williams and mentioned, and yeah, Stroll coming back from the wreck at uh, Singapore had uh, that wing failure, as, as Josh mentioned. So that was uh, that was that uh, for the Japanese Grand Prix, and we'll next week we'll uh, get into uh, the Qatar Grand Prix and what. Uh, what to expect from there uh, other behind uh, fish lips uh, he has a I have to go and do the math here it's such a big lead at this point it's like he essentially they talked about it on the broadcast that he could lock up the, the championship in the sprint race at Qatar uh, with a good result or with a win or whatever, 177 point lead in the drivers championship. Uh, Sergio Perez right now is 33 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Lewis is uh, 16 points ahead of Fernando Alonso for third in the drivers championship. Carlos Sainz rounds out the top five. Uh, He's 24 points behind Alonso and 15 points out of his teammate Charles Leclerc. Lando Norris is tied with George Russell at 115 points, so 20 points behind Leclerc. And it's interesting to see, considering what, uh, how much Russell, how hard Russell has been going relative to what he's been doing. Piastri uh, moves up into the top 10 with that uh, podium finish. Joel gets, into, re- gets back into the top 10 or was actually in the top 10, uh, even though he didn't score any points. Uh, he's a point ahead of Pierre Gasly and nine points out of Esteban Ocon there. Uh, you know, everybody else, yeah. So, and Liam Lawson coming off of the points he scored at Singapore. In terms of the team's championship, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Red 
Red Balls gets another uh, Constructors Championship, so good for them. And Mercedes is 20 points out of Ferrari for second in the Constructors. Um, Aston Martin's basically in their own world in fourth, because what is it, for uh, 64 points behind Ferrari, they're not they're not making that up, um, especially when you only have one driver. Um, McLaren is in their own world as well. And fifth, Alpine, same. The the curiosity is essentially Williams, Hess, uh, Alpha Sauber, and Alpha Tori. Uh, Alpha Tori is five points behind Alpha Sauber. And then Hass is two points ahead of Alfa Romeo. Uh, Williams is nine points ahead of Haas. Uh, in the constructors all right so the one piece of news that came up uh, today uh, was uh, the release of the 2023 indycar or 2024 indycar series schedule and what it is uh, there's gonna be uh, the the what what you call the that uh non-points exhibition race at the thermal club there's going to be uh, two m- massive gaps in the schedule itself due to uh well i i mean the gap that they're going to have of a month between the the non-points race in long beach is curious to i'm curious to find out what that is about uh of course they're going to open with st petersburg as they have for many years They'll two weeks later go to the Thermal Club. Then they take a month off, go to Long Beach, back-to-back with Barber, Baba. And then they take a, a week or so, at least a week off. And then they'll go to the do the IMS road course. Thankfully, the only one race that they're going to run there, uh, because it's gotten old, um, Indy 500 course qualifying in the race itself. After the 500, they're going to go straight into uh, two races, uh, Detroit, and then Road America. So that'll be a busy portion of the schedule. They'll take uh, they'll take a couple of weeks off and go to Laguna Seca in June, so it'll be boiling hot. Then they'll take another two weeks off and go to Mid-Ohio, which will be followed up by Iowa Speedway and the streets of Toronto before the Olympic break. Uh, takes place and then they'll be off for another month there and come back with uh, gateway and they'll after after they return it'll be pretty busy uh, they'll come back and run four races uh, in quick succession with uh, gateway portland and the return of the milwaukee mile for the first time since trying to remember the last time they ran at the milwaukee mile but uh i guess i'll scroll here through joey barnes a former guest of our show uh posted this story so um trying to see here if he posted it right there uh, yeah, is it such a, first time since last 20, since 2017 it's it says in his story on motorsport.com 2015 no okay 2015 that's that's about right i remember yeah yeah so in in all of that, you know, we talk about Texas Motor Speedway and I'm outspoken on how much I dislike the place and for the first time since what does it say since 1997 or something? 
yeah, so yeah, so the first time since 1997, there won't be a race at Texas Motor Speedway because of the scheduling, uh, likely based on the fact that NASCAR wants to move an SMI or whatever they want to move it to the spring, which is interesting because what is going to be put in in uh, in lieu of that uh, race? What are you going to do? You're going to put Atlanta? You can put one of those shitty Atlanta races in there so you can Bring have Pocono another back. Well, yeah, that's I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I was going on one thing, but it's another like the map of uh, NASCAR chasm had the map of where all the races take place. And you just have basically the central and mountain time zone for the for the most part is not doesn't have anything. And then the East Coast, the Northeast is completely barren. And I'm like. What kind of series are you trying to run when you're neglecting whole swaths of the country? Now, granted, that that mountain and and central time zone. Once you get past Indiana and Iowa, whatever, uh, you're not exactly sitting there with lots of racetrack options. But when it comes to the Northeast, you have Poconos, Josh mentioned, but the drivers don't want to go there because they say it's dangerous. Any super speedway race is dangerous. I'm not discounting what they feel, but it's it is they 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 were approved. It's been an approved racetrack. Uh, Pocono is willing to make changes to um, accommodate the Indy cars. They only have the one weekend now with uh, NASCAR, so it, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, Watkins Glen is another one, but. They're owned by ISC, so that basically is going nowhere fast. Uh, Lime Rock Park is probably too short for Indy cars, but they run tracks where Portland is essentially less than a minute. So that's a and that's a two mile track. So you got Lime Rock, you have New Hampshire, which they haven't been back to since that uh, epic day, and I think the Double Birds Day in twenty eleven with uh William Power with the rain and all that but i mean you you look at those just those are just some of the examples you have Richmond which is leaning towards the southeast of course they ran there many years Richmond uh doesn't exactly put on great NASCAR racing so why wouldn't you go and at least possibly try uh i'm trying to think you have Pittsburgh Motorsports Park which they run for the Moto America you have. I'm trying to think of what else on on top of that in my head that they've ran over the years. I think I pretty Baltimore. much. <laughs> well, no, that's yeah, yeah. Baltimore's done. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it went down with the lobster. But uh, the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles, Baltimore Orioles are going to the playoffs. So uh, first time in many years. So credit to them. Uh, yeah, there's um, not. I mean, it's just a shame they don't go to Watkins Glen. Uh, it pisses me off because Indy cars are built for that racetrack, and it's just a waste. I mean, they do have the six hours at the Glen, which is great, uh, but you know NASCAR basically uses all the runoff to go and use it as a racetrack, which is stupid. Uh, so, I mean, it's not not the best uh, product relative to what the Indy cars could put on running the full circuit. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy to see the Milwaukee Mile back. Of course, it's historic, classic, running a double header on Labor Day weekend. So that will be interesting how that goes. Uh, 
Uh, they're running multiple doubleheaders. Of course, Iowa continues as a doubleheader, but they're going to go back to running at night, I believe. So uh, I'm a, I think they're going to run at night uh, for Iowa uh, because it was so freaking hot. I I assume that they're going to run uh, run there at Iowa Speed One, being a Saturday night race. So they'll run Saturday night at at uh, Iowa and then follow back up with a Sunday afternoon uh, matinee for their doubleheader. Only the only uh, big oval that they have is, of course, Indianapolis. No other big ovals. Uh, just remembered Homestead. There's another one. Uh, but that's, of course, closer to you, Josh. That's a track that would be perfect for IndyCars. It's very rough, but it would be a challenge. Um, I'm trying to figure, think of other tracks that have hosted IndyCar over the years, but Homestead to me would be a great one, but all these ISC tracks are not going to go and have the IndyCar series there for whatever reason, even though Penske can make deals with anybody. But I I don't mind Texas Motor Speedway dropping off because I think it's a dump anyway. I don't understand the one-month gap between that the non-points race and Long Beach. Uh, uh, granted, that's that non-points race was put in, or else it would have been a six-week uh, gap from the op season opener to Long at St. Petersburg to Long Beach, which is insane. Uh, cutting down to one I, uh, IMS road course race, which is good since uh, it looks like, of course, NASCAR is going to go back to the Oval, so less uh, usage of the road course. They'll run, they'll have the uh, IMSA endurance race there, but so they won't, so if you really love that course, then you'll get that. Uh, Road America a little earlier than it was. Laguna Seca is going to be boiling hot. Uh, Mid-Ohio in the two races Iowa, Toronto uh, before the Olympic break, and then Three oval races, uh, short, uh, uh, small road course, and then uh, Nashville will be the season uh, finale. Or what do you think about this schedule, Josh? I mean, stays at seventeen races as it has been for many years, but omitting uh, Texas Motor Speedway, adding back the Milwaukee Mile uh, on Labor Day weekend, and um, having two massive gaps in the schedule. Uh, one that I don't really know how they haven't explained, and the other one based on the Paris Olympics and NBC, of course, having to cover those. But what did uh, what do you think of this schedule for 2024? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I mean, I know you don't like Texas. I kind of like Texas as an IndyCar track more than I do a NASCAR track. So um, I I thought the Texas race this year was pretty good, but that might have been a one-time only thing and it would have been closer to what we've seen in the past if they continued uh there but um you know on one hand you lose texas which might be a good thing but on the other hand you know you don't have a super speedway or a speedway oval outside of the indianapolis 500 uh and i i feel like you need at least one other uh super speedway race uh besides the 500 and uh, I think, you know, for IndyCar, you know, we've seen great races over the years, whether it was in CART or, you know, the IRL or IndyCar where they raced on the big ovals. And I think, you know, it shows, you know, 
how unique oval racing is. I mean, obviously we have the short track racing, but with uh, Iowa and uh, Milwaukee Mile, but uh, and Gateway, but you know, I I think um, there's a missed opportunity to not have a um, bigger than one mile oval uh, on you know on the schedule uh, here. So um, you know, I would have liked you know I think Pocono should be back on the schedule. Um, you know, if not Pocono, I mean, why can't they do Michigan? Uh, you know, you know, Michigan, Michigan, was, Kansas, uh, yeah, Chicago, Kentucky. Kentucky's Kentucky. not even being used. Yeah, I mean, I know the banking is all wonky and everything because they decided to screw it up for NASCAR. But um, I mean, it's basically a, a almost like Texas in terms of the layout there. So you're almost, you know, I mean, you know, you're gaining the same type of racing in a different area. So. Um, and I guess you would fill one area on the map that, you know, you were talking about earlier that uh, they posted with uh, the amount of states. And, I mean, really, they're consolidating to the Midwest, which is kind of where IndyCar is basically known culturally. Um, you have that Midwest section that, you know, where, you know, around Indiana, which is where they're consolidating to. And then the West Coast, which, you know, still has some racing history, obviously, with the Long Beach, Long Beach Grand Prix and Laguna Seca. But, you know, other than that, uh, in Florida as well with uh, St. Petersburg, but, you know, other than that, it's all consolidated towards the Midwest and, and Canada. So, um, yeah, this this is an interesting schedule. I mean, that's part of it, not having an oval race. You have the big gap uh, at the beginning of the year, and then I think you also have the other big gap at the end of the year. I mean, it's kind of, I mean... You know, F1 does have their summer break, but that's, you know, always planned. They've always had it. But, you know, I feel like for IndyCar, you know, they, they're, they're a series that, if, you know, I think if they want more exposure and or, you know, more audience that, you know, they need to have as much exposure as possible. And, uh, you know, that I think two month gaps uh, in the schedule really hurt that ability to you know, gain uh, fans, uh, you know, throughout the year and continue momentum of, you know, when the next race is. And then you know, on top of that, um, being tied to NBC, I mean, we like their coverage, you know, in terms of you know, what they're able to do. I think, you know, they do a great job covering the series, but uh, I think the corporation NBC, uh, I don't know if that's hurting them or not because, you know, you're tied to the Olympics and now they're you know putting two uh, races on Peacock Network. Uh, going to streaming only, so uh, I'm not sure how much I like that either. Uh, because you know, Peacock. Not everybody has Peacock. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are, but I bet to say that no, there's not as many Peacock subscribers as there are like uh, Disney Plus, Hulu, um, things like that. I mean, obviously Disney. I mean, we can get into the corporations and stuff of how you know how much they're in um, you know controlling the markets and stuff when it comes to uh, you know, TV shares and everything, because obviously a lot of people have, you know, Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN, because that's all bundled together. But, you know, Peacock isn't the same, you know, unless you're a Comcast uh, Xfinity scri- uh, subscriber there. So, uh, you know, definitely a issue there that you have to look at in terms of, you know, being able to grow the audience. And you wonder, um, you know, with ESPN going back to Formula One, um, you have to wonder if IndyCar, should they go back to ESPN uh, now that they're beginning to come back to motorsports and um, everything is obviously you know, in NBC, you know, they have NASCAR, they have the Olympics. Uh, I mean, 
you know, they have a lot of stuff on NBC and I wonder if uh, ESPN, maybe there's more room or possibly even, you know, CBS, you know, trying to get back into motorsports and giving, giving them more, uh, I guess, maneuverability on when to have races. Uh, so they're not, you know, tied to external events like uh, the, the Olympics or, um, you know, being forced, I mean, I, yeah, being forced to be on stream, I think they'd be on net network a lot more often with, with uh, CBS. I mean, they still, still have the NFL to compete with and they'd probably end at the same time, but, um, you know, there's maybe more opportunity uh, to have continuity in the schedule if you went with a different broadcast network. But yeah, there's a lot to take away from this race, but, or from this um, uh, schedule news release, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the racing will be great. Uh, and then, you know, one thing I'll say is that they should flip the first two events on the schedule. The thermal club should be the first one being a non points event. And that actually would build up, you know, momentum. I mean, obviously you have drivers going for a million dollars, you know, get interest in them going for a million dollars, uh, first before they start the year and then go to, uh, St. Petersburg. I feel like that would be better in terms of, you know, building an audience and building momentum. But you know, what do I know? You know, just some guy here on the internet talking about the schedule. So, you know, somebody, somebody, uh, call Roger Penske and, you know, ask him what, what the hell are you doing? So we'll see, we'll see how it goes next year. You know, it's really Mark Miles. That's who we'd have to talk to because that puppet head is the one that seemingly is the person that sits in front of everything for IndyCar. Um, him and Jay Fry. Uh, those are the two people. I mean, I do. It's a good point you you made. Like putting the the non points race to start the year. You have build up. You can promote it and say, okay, we're gonna start. We've had this long uh, layoff, but we have spring training or whatever, and lead into that race. That would be a good uh, way to do it. And then after that, you take a couple weeks off and say, well, we're gonna be back in two weeks to start the. 2024 season in the points championship at St. Petersburg. And that would be uh, um, probably a much more logical uh, way. But I mean, it's a good point you brought up there. I, I, I agree with the CBS take. I mean, uh, or one of the people that we are in the fantasy league with, uh, he works for CBS and uh, CBS sports and stuff. And they're they're invested uh, in football mainly, but you look at some of these other oddball sports that they're. I mean, it's football and golf for sure. But then after that, they have I think they have uh, different soccer leagues. They have cornhole. Um, I for there's a couple other ones, but really they have oddball stuff, and they have a sports network separate that really needs uh, content. Um, they do show racing on that network, but it's usually tape delayed stuff. So they would be the one that I would say if if it would make a lot of sense for them to move. I mean, NBC has they've given IndyCar a platform to where they can be on the main NBC channel, largely because they got rid of the sports network. Um, but at least you're on main NBC for the most part outside of two races next year. Uh, they do a great job as Josh mentioned, but being at the mercy of NBC is not exactly the greatest way to run a series. Now, 
Um, NASCAR is going to race, run through their series or season, um, even though the Olympics is going on, which is how you should do things. I mean, Formula One will have their break, essentially, uh, their summer break around Olympic time anyway, so it kind of uh, works out for them. But we will see what happens with that and uh, how things move forward in uh, in terms of the IndyCar series. And now that they are um, in their uh, the longest off season in all of sports, I think uh, will be uh, starting or commencing here the last couple for a couple weeks in already. Uh, move forward to week week three. Uh, recap fantasy team updates. Uh, I'm gonna give Josh the floor here in a moment because I know he's got plenty to uh, stew over. Uh, Niners end up on Thursday night playing uh, the Giants. Was a relatively tight contest for a period of time, but the pass rush of the 49ers. And the defense in general uh, made Daniel Jones into uh, into an ordinary player. The Niners with Brock Purdy was just throwing darts to Debo Samuel. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was able to run roughshod on him. Uh, Trent Williams punched Ashawn uh, Williams or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, so that was funny. Uh, or Ashawn Jenkins. I forget what the hell his name is, but he's some random that used to be on the Rams. Uh, Jake Moody made his field goals with relative ease. So, I mean, it, was a, it, it wasn't straightforward initially, but it became straightforward by the end of it. Niners dominated, go to 3-0, and and the way this week has gone, they're one of the only undefeated teams left in the NFL. The Eagles end up getting a victory here on Monday Night Football, so they stay undefeated, even though, to be fair, they could be 1-2 and two right now. Um, in terms of other other news, other things going on, the nobody wants to win bowl between the Chargers and the Vikings. The Chargers go for it on their, on their own 24-yard line and, on, and try to run and fail. Then uh, Minnesota has a chance from the 24, the the plus 24 yard line, end up getting a first down, completely botch the the two minute drill situation, and then Kirk Cousins gets a pass deflected and throws an interception, which is pretty pathetic. But Josh, when it comes to Justin Herbert, he got 400 yards yesterday. Um, so yet again, he's basically carrying the organization on his back. Uh, Mike Williams got hurt again, of course, because he gets hurt every year, but this time it's a season ender with the ACL. Um, but the story, I think, was the Miami Dolphins putting a 70-burger on the Denver Broncos, and I think they could have kept on going, really. If, uh, if, if Mike McDaniel really wanted to, I think he could have really given them the... He could have went old country way on them and really um, did them dirty, Um Break broke his back, make a mumble like uh, the Iron Sheik would used to do because that is a pathetic performance by the Denver Broncos. I mean, the jokes was like, oh, it's like playing FCS versus an FBS team and all that. I'm like, this is an NFL football team. This is a team that's owned by one of the richest people in the world, and they didn't even bother to show up. Like, yeah, they scored 20 points. Okay, fine. 
but you lost by 50 points, 50 points in a, in an NFL game. They were, they were literally a field goal away from tying the all time record for the highest point score, highest point total ever in an NFL game. They, the, Devon Arcane or whatever had sixty something points in our in in uh, the Fall Brawl League. Uh, if he had and he's on he's on the the waiver wire. Raheem Mostert had I don't know how many points. It's insane how many points all these guys scored. But I mean Miami is going to be very tough to deal with. They're going to have a great uh, matchup with Buffalo here this coming weekend. And uh, unfortunately, it's at one o'clock instead of being on Sunday night football because, you know, we we have to end up putting up with bad uh, the scheduling and how bad things uh, are or whatever. But in terms for me, fantasy wise, I've been eliminated in my uh, survival uh, pools, so that's fine. But I'm going three and one this week in uh, fantasy, the Dynasty League has gone really bad for Vic and I, but it is what it is. Niners are winning. Finally got a couple breaks. So I'll take that this week, and we'll uh, keep on working. So, yeah, Josh, uh, Jacksonville uh, ends up, uh, I don't know what you can say about what Jacksonville did yesterday. The number two overall pick in the NFL draft, C.J. Stroud, basically was able to pick apart the Jacksonville Jaguars um, and uh, the Houston Texans with uh, D'Amico Ryans go into a, a rival's uh, home stadium and take a, a major victory here in a division that, as we look at it more and more, is wide open. Uh, but I don't think that when we were looking at this division as you know leading up to the season and all that, it was going to be wide open figure that Jacksonville was going to kind of run away with it. But unfortunately, the start of this season has not uh, worked out that way, Josh. Yeah, it's yeah not worked out as the way we thought it would be. Um, you know, week one, they were sloppy. You know, last week, uh, you can chalk it up to going up against the Chiefs and everything. But, you know, this week, they were still sloppy on offense the first half. And they get down to a 17-point deficit, which... Um, you know, honestly, I was like, well, you know, they can come back before they'll just have to do it again, just like we did last year. And looked like maybe they were going to start doing that. They, you know, got a touchdown, but then um, gave up a, oh, I mean, unbelievable uh, punt return to a fullback. And then after that, I was like, yeah, we probably deserve to lose if you give up a a, a kick return to a fullback uh, like that. Uh, and that was just un- unbelievable uh, to see see them uh, give up that type of play uh, to somebody like that. So, um, yeah, they couldn't rush the passer. didn't sack C.J. Stroud, who's already been sacked 11 times so far to start the year, and they couldn't sack him. Uh, so clearly is an issue with the defensive line again. Uh, you know, last week they were able to get pressure on Mahomes and affect him, and they you know, had pressure on Anthony Richardson in week one, uh, but they weren't able to do anything with it this week. So, I don't know. I don't know what happened this week. Uh, I mean, clearly it seems like the Texans were ready to play. I think the Jags were, whatever reason, weren't ready to play. Um, you know, it's always always seems seems to kind of feel like that, where the you know you have one team that's not won yet, clearly an underdog, and you know their coach 
locks them in, gets them ready to play, and then the other team um, that's you know clearly favored that should win ends up laying an egg, and that's you know exactly uh, what happened there. So um, yeah, honestly, I have no idea what to say about that game. Uh, they definitely you know, definitely should have won that game. Um, well, I mean, I don't even know if you can even say that, but, uh, you know, they made, they had some missed opportunities in the first half, uh, Calvin really dropping passes. So maybe he's, uh, still gambling and point shaving or something like that. Uh, you know, you had, had that happen, missed, missed kickoffs, um, you know, the kickoff return by the fullback as already said, uh, and everything. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, really bad game uh that shouldn't have happened um and you know now now they got to go to london uh and try to do better and it's funny it's funny to me that you know they talk about the stadium this week you know there's you know begin to talk about oh well you know we need build build the stadium and then some poll comes out and says that you know, a lot of residents aren't in favor of the current deal that they're proposing where, you know, they split 50-50 on a $1 million or $2 million or $2 billion or $1 billion stadium and everything, and uh, which I forget. the I, I didn't look at the poll, but the poll was kind of poorly worded and then kind of, kind of made it for easy headlines that, oh, well, they don't really want to build a stadium. Um, in Jacksonville or the citizens don't want a stadium. And then, you know, then the uh, ownership or president of the team has to come out and make a statement saying that, well, you know, we, um, if you guys want a stadium, you know, you got to be able to, or keep the Jaguars in Jacksonville, then you need to build a stadium or something like that. So interesting how we follow up those that week uh, in the news like that with the big loss. And then on top of that, you know, people, you know, when they don't play good, nobody comes to the stadium and it's super hot outside uh, during, you know, during the week or during the day uh, in September in Jacksonville, open-ended stadium like that. So, you know, going to get hot. And then you have the scoreboards blocking the breeze and everything. So, you know, your people cook during the daytime uh, there. But, yeah, just a poor way to, you know, have that and then kill a lot of the hype uh, that, you know, they had last season, which, you know, basically, you know, maybe that's basically what they need. Maybe they need that to uh, stop, stop believing in their own hype. Um, you know, honestly, I feel like that's what happened to the 2018 Jags. Uh, I mean, they had Bortles at QB, but I feel like, you know, they just believed in their own hype a little bit too much. And that kind of led to the downfall and everything. So, uh, you know, you have, have that and, now they lose, so maybe they have lower expectations, and uh, they can turn it around next week in London and uh, get right uh, against the Falcons, which uh, Falcons have been playing good as well. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, just just unfortunate. Yeah, um, not the way we want to start the season. But I mean, it's early. Uh, I'll say that it's only week three. Um, still a, a long way to go. Um, I mean, not to make any comparisons or anything like that, but. You know, obviously, you know, last year was the thing, you know, two and six and come back to make the playoffs and um, go into the second round of the playoffs. But, you know, look at even other teams, you know, Tom Brady looked like he was finished, you know, versus the Chiefs many years ago on Monday Night Football and got benched for Jimmy G. And then uh, they came back and, uh, you know, completely dismantled the Cincinnati Bengals and then, you know, basically kicked off 
Tom Brady's uh, second run at rings that he had, you know, in his set, the end of his career. So, I mean, look at it like that. I mean, it's still pretty early. So, um, yeah, they still have time to get it turned around together. I mean, there's obviously a lot of concern, which they should have, but, you know, going into week four, there's still time to turn around and get on, you know, get some momentum back. Uh, you know, you have these two London games and then I'll, I'm going to be attending the Colts game, uh, in two weeks. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that goes and, um, you know, how they are able to respond to this, but yeah, it's been, been a lot of, uh, struggles so far. I mean, play calling allegedly might be an issue. I think, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley has been an issue. Um, you know, I was joking about, I said earlier, but, uh, you know, I think just, they may, maybe they have too many choices. You know, when you have too many guys, you know, you're trying to scheme the ball to, uh, you know, you end up with a lot of, I, you know, I think they're definitely trying to force a lot of things. They're forcing Ridley, you know, to try to get him uh, targets and stuff. They're, you know, getting a lot of targets to Jamal Agnew for some reason. He's the one that's been turning ball over, so he stopped doing that. Uh, even though he's a dynamic offensive weapon, uh, you know, he's not a real wide receiver, so he shouldn't be running out patterns and everything. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of issues so far, so we'll see how... Doug Peterson is able to get them to, you know, refocus in and lock in for, you know, this next week here in London. So, yeah, disappointing there and looking at, you know, paying attention to um, fantasy-wise for me, paying attention to the Bengals and Rams and then the uh, Eagles and the Bucks game, which just ended. Um, yeah, the losing right now. I was winning in fantasy, but um, I've, you know, been caught up to still pretty tight six-point deficit now. I was leading going into today uh, by 20 points, uh, and you know Joe Burrow has made it up. Now uh, Sam Hubbard, I need Sam Hubbard and Luke Wilson on the Bengals to go out and put up big games here with you know quarter and three minutes to go in this game. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, be interesting if I could pull it out, but you know the more the more we go on you know Joe Burrow is going to have enough chances even though he's hurt and everything so we'll see we'll see how that goes but might have the same record here in a little bit depending on how this goes uh you know as the Jacks so we'll see yeah the Bengals trying to go and uh kind of start their season uh give themselves a little bit of uh give that jump start even with uh not 100% Joe Burrow uh Points scoring, uh, I was just checking the points. I mean, uh, Josh, you're in a close matchup against uh, Jeff. Uh, looks like uh, it could come down to the wire, but uh, need some help there. Uh, Joe and uh, what do you call Luke ended up. It's a one-point game between those two, which is insane. And 252 for Joe and 251 point for um, for Luke. Uh, just going through some of these teams, I mean, in uh, Joe's case, he has Keenan Allen, who threw a pass touchdown, um, and he had pass first. Yeah, the first downs also help with that. He had Keenan Allen, Tony Pollard, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts run pass TD, two interceptions, one rush TD. Yeah, and he had a solo tackle. Look at that. Aiden Hutchinson had a huge game. TJ Watt. Uh, you had Miles Sanders, and then on the other side, uh, Luke had uh, Tyree Kill, Olave was pretty pretty good, McCaffrey, Mostert, AJ Brown, 
Desmond Ritter didn't do shit. And he still got 33 points out of Zaire Franklin, 24 points out of Holland. And he actually left points on the bench, too, considering uh, he has Hollywood Brown, Rashi Rice, Gabe Davis, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Joe had, uh, Joe has uh, Russell Wilson on the bench and Okerley or whatever, but that's, uh, I mean, that's an insane point score. I guess that's what now counting the first downs, putting the first down points into, into play has uh, definitely changed things up uh, in terms of uh, how these scores go. Uh, all right, so let's move forward to a, a pretty brief uh, GSP roundup for this week. Uh, MotoGP and Moto2 were at the Bud International Circuit. First uh, race at in India uh, in a decade. Uh, they used to have Formula One there for a few years, and Sebastian Vettel dominated when they raced the Indian Grand Prix for Formula One. Uh, the Indian Grand Prix for the MotoGP uh, was not as straightforward. Uh, riders and riders that uh, have struggled and teams that have struggled uh, this year for a good amount of it end up uh, taking, uh, getting uh, big-time results. Peko Bagnaya falls out of a second-place, guaranteed second-place uh and loses a bunch of points in the process. Marco Bisecchi gets his third win of 2023. Jorge Martin was basically passing out at the end of the race, but ends up finishing second. Fabio Quattararo gets the podium for Yamaha. Brad Binder, Joanne Mir uh, finishes fifth. Best finish of the season for him uh, on the Repsol Honda. Franco Morbidelli seventh. Mark Marquez dumped it while he was in the top five. Uh, recovered to ninth. Uh, the Hondas were competitive all weekend. The Yamahas, or at least Quattararo, was reasonably competitive. And it was a challenging racetrack for sure. Uh, uh, Jack Miller was nowhere. It was in no man's land. Uh, otherwise, I mean, Binder had a good weekend, but you had Jack Miller had a nightmare weekend. Uh, DG Antonio had to retire. Bagnaya, of course, mentioned he crashed. Aspargaro had mechanical issues or heat issues with the heat um, affecting his Aprilia. Augusto Fernandez uh, crashed out of the out of the race, and that I mean the the point standings right now uh, leading into leading into uh, this weekend's Japanese Grand Prix for. Um, Japanese Grand Prix, trying to get the points, standings. There you go. It's such a weird, not a great website, this thing. So, Peko Bagnaya leads by 13 points. Uh, gave up 20, I mean, should have been 30-something points, but he crashes and gives away that, uh, those those points there. Marco Bisecchi is uh, 44 points behind in third. Uh, Binder... Espar Binders in his own kind of as no in his own uh, position there in fourth. Alicia Spargaro and Sarko have a battle for fifth. Vinales and Marini for seventh. Jack Miller, Alex Marquez, and Fabio Quattararo for the last couple of spots in the top ten. Uh, in Moto two, uh, Pedro Acosta gets another victory. 
Tony Arbolino second, and Joe Roberts gets a podium finish for Italian Trans Racing Team, finishes six and a half seconds off uh, behind Acosta. So a big uh, result for Joe Roberts getting a podium. Uh, great to see for sure um, in what has been a pretty uh, difficult year for him. Sean Dillon Kelly, it finally happened. Sean Dillon Kelly uh, has scored his first point in Moto2. He finished 15th and uh, got one solitary point in his uh, uh, fill-in ride here for forward racing. But hey, at least he got a point. So that's a pretty big deal. Celestino Vietti was eliminated, didn't even start the race. Contra didn't crash on the first lap. Uh, Jake Dixon issues and uh aaron Kinnett as well so pretty cool uh americans end up having uh, a decent result there so in moto 2 leading into the japanese grand prix arbolino is 39 points behind pedro acosta jake dixon and uh aaron Kinnett. I mean, they're they're in Jake Dixon's on his own. Aaron Kinnett is tied with Alonzo Lopez. Celestino Vietti didn't race, but he's still in the mix there, fourth through sixth. Philippe Salek and Gonzalez and Chantra Aldeguer, they're all uh, nine points separate those four. Those four riders. Joe Roberts with his podium gets to within five points of Albert Arenas. Uh, he would need another one to probably get himself closer towards uh, the likes of Garcia, Gura, and Lowe's. And then scroll through. SDK uh, moves himself up now uh, to 26th in the points with his first uh, career points in Moto2. There are riders, still plenty of riders that haven't uh, scored or um, that are full-time riders itself. So, uh so credit to uh, Sean Dillon Kelly. Uh, we'll move to World Superbikes. World Superbikes uh, last week at uh, Aragon. Or, yeah. Uh, Michael Ruben Rinaldi wins race one over Toprak Rascatlioku and Johnny Ray. The Super Bowl race saw Alvaro Bautista over Ray and Rascatlioku. And then in race two, Bautista gets the victory over. Rascadlioku and Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Uh, trying to see where uh, race one, trying to get the results just out of curiosity. Garrett Gerloff finished eighth in race one. In um, in race in the Super Bowl race, saw Garrett Gerloff finish ninth, and Garrett Gerloff finished tenth in race two at Aragon. So pretty consistent where he was at all weekend there. Uh, led led the BMW uh, contingent the whole weekend, beat the factory guys. So something to look at for sure. Uh, right now, Garrett Gerloff is seven points behind Iker Lakuona, eight points behind Scott Redding. Uh, Argeter is uh, 21 points ahead of him for 10th, 22 points behind Alex Lowe's, who's in ninth. So he'll need... Uh, uh, couple of big results to move himself towards the top 10 but consistency is coming along as the season goes on and they're moving to this weekend they'll be racing at uh, um, the Algarve uh, for Portugal for the Portuguese 
uh, round of the World Superbike Championship before they take uh, a month off, essentially, for the last round of the year, last uh, round, which will be at Hareth to close out the season. Uh, go move forward. So yeah, Rally Chile uh, taking place this weekend for the WRC. Uh, in terms of that, I mean, uh, long story short, Cali Rovampera trying to repeat as uh, WRC world uh, world champion. So we'll see how he's able to handle the terrain there and uh, Cali Rovampera along, and then his teammates. Uh, Efren Evans, Takamoto Katsuda, so the three Toyotas there. Hyundai has Thierry Neuville, Esapeka Lappi, and Timu Sunninen. Ford will have four uh, Pumas uh, this weekend. Atanek, Pierre-Louis Loubet, the regular drivers, then Gregoire Munster and Alberto Heller in uh, the Fords. So four Fords, the three Hyundais and uh, three Toyotas make up the Rally 1 category. The point standings uh, right now, uh, championship standings, Cali Rovampera is up by 33 points on Efren Evans with uh, three rounds to go in this season. So uh, has a chance with a good result to get himself one, one step closer to repeating as World Rally Champion. In uh, manufacturer standings, Toyota leads uh, by nearly 100 points over Hyundai. So that's probably going to be more likely the scenario there. They have a co-driver standing. So Cali Rovampera's, what do you call a co-driver over uh, the Efren Evans co-driver, et cetera, et cetera. We'll go into all that, what took place uh, next week in the gsp all right so let's uh get into the nascar cup and xfinity uh series or nascar cup and trucks they'll be racing at talladega super speedway for uh the usual fall race what was the uh ea sports 500 the diehard 500 etc etc we'll start with the truck series Race the Love's RV Stop 250, 40 trucks for 36 spots. Uh, you have to go back out of, just to check. Yeah, the, nobody listed in the Serial 1 Premium E-Bikes 1 truck for Tricon. Uh, you have the Zero 2 for Young's, doesn't have anybody. Nick Sanchez, uh, Corey Roper in the Zero 4. Uh, go Jennifer, Joe Cobb. And probably going to fail to qualify. Uh, Corey Heim, of course, doesn't have any pressure, so he's free rolling. Um, Haley Deegan coming off of watching her little brother win the Super Motocross uh, 250 uh, championship uh, uh, with his uh, second place finish in the Moto Number Two, and then in um, in the what do you call 450 class? It was Jet Lawrence ended up getting that victory and a million dollars, 500,000 for Hayden Deegan there. And go through here, Taylor and Krishnekis, Greg Van Alst in the Youngs, 20, Jason M. White and 22, Chandler Smith mentioned earlier, he'll be in the 25 for Rackley War, 
Brian Doza for FDNY, probably going to DNQ. Ryan Vargas in the 30, coming back from Auschersleben, driving the NASCAR, whatever, Euro series. He had Jesse Punch over there uh, as well. And get through some of these other people. Yeah, Brett Holmes, who's Alabama guy, and uh, come close to winning there. Trying to get, you know, you have uh, 34. They don't, yeah, so Brett Moffitt will be in a second front row motorsports truck. Um, Bailey Curry in the 41. Um, Tyler Hill in the 56 for the family team. Jake Drew in the 61 for Hattori. Parker Kligerman racing the 75, of course, for Anderson Motorsports. Clay Greenfield racing number 95 for GK Racing. Uh, and yeah, so that's the field right there. 40 trucks, 36 spots. Let's go and check out the picks. Uh, you closed out. Uh, you had, uh, I had the first pick uh, last week. So you get first dibs on your regular picks, unless you want to combine. Well, I think, honestly, I think you should go and do your picks. I'll do mine and then. We can call in the algorithm after. So what are you uh, looking at, Josh, for the truck series at uh, Talladega? Yeah, I mean, this one's going to be a wild one for sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are inexperienced in this field that, you know, have never you know won anything here at Talladega. But, you know, honestly, uh, go with experience here in terms of somebody that can win on a plate track. So I'm going to go with uh, Ben Rhodes this weekend in the 99. Uh, he's won in Daytona before. So, you know, let's see if he can do something here uh, at Talladega and uh, kind of revive his season, you know, as it is going in, in the in the playoffs. And then who is your oh, yeah, wild, card. wild card? Right, wild card. Uh, yeah, I'll go, with, um, I'll go with Nick Sanchez this weekend as my wild card. So. No, I'm looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the wrong guy. No, sorry. Uh, no, right. Yeah. No. You know, I'll I'll just go with our classic wild card pick, Roger Carruth. So, yeah. You know, seeing how he's done this past couple of races, we'll see if he can do it on a uh, restrictor plate track here. Or uh, yeah, uh, wild card. So yep, we uh, usual uh, wild card choice is Roger Carruth. So Ben Rhodes, Roger Carruth there. Uh, for me, I'm going to go and I'm going to pick Zane Smith because of the help that he's going to have now that, uh, Brett Moffitt is, uh, a second truck entered in the, in this race. He's of course shown, uh, an ability to race well on, uh, restrictor plate tracks, especially Daytona. Wild card pick. I mean, there's a couple of, there's low hanging fruit. Um, I'm going to go with Chandler Smith because that's the defending, that team is the defending winner of the race. Chandler Smith does have, has built up his experience uh, over the year in the Xfinity series. He's got experience, of course, in the trucks for a couple years. So I'm going to go with uh, Chandler Smith wild card. So those are those are picks. Um, what does the Tate Fogelman this this race was where the Tate Fogelman algorithm came to be uh, when it's when it picked out Tate Fogelman to win and 
He was wrecking sideways, but ended up winning this truck race. Uh, probably should have picked a... I wonder if it's going to pick another Young's Motorsports truck, because it seems like Young's Motorsports has a way of winning at this racetrack. Yeah, I mean, it's been two years now since, well, at least uh, two years to this Talladega race that uh, it's uh, been running now. So, yeah, let's give it a run here and see what it gives us. Okay, 12. Well, <laughs> ironically, yeah. that's the first. Spencer Boyd, is that? Yeah. Spencer Boyd, who is a former winner of this race uh, a couple of years ago, he actually did win uh, the this race, so... Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, it almost said ten there for a second. It flashed, it flashed ten there on the the result uh, page, but um, or row, but uh, it changed to twelve for some reason. I think it, it knows that maybe Jennifer Joe Cobb that might be a little bit too far out there. So yeah. uh, twelve, twelve is a lot more reasonable than Spencer Boyd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, she has to actually make the show. That that's a she has a bigger problem with just making the show, let alone having pace to somehow or another win which is unless she has a big motor or two motors connected and then is running a truck from 1995 or something i don't think there's any chance in hell that she could win so spencer boyd not bad i now it gives me more reason to watch the truck race because i'm curious to see how the uh, young's motorsports vehicles do since you have the zero two doesn't have a driver as of now announced spencer boyd a former winner of course as i mentioned greg van alst who won at daytona earlier this year in the arca series so they have an interesting uh group there uh for who can go out there and possibly get a victory uh the cup series the yellowwood uh 500 at Talladega has uh, mentioned 38 cars for 40 spots, so no DN, nobody failing to qualify. Uh, we'll go through some of the sponsors and drivers. Chastain will be with Worldwide Express, Sindrick Discount Tire, Austin Dillon Bass Pro, Bushlight Camo for Harv, Valvoline for Larson, Solomon Plumbing for Brad Keselowski, Gainbridge on the 7 for LaJoy, X World Wallet for Kyle Bush, who comes off of winning uh, in the spring at Talladega. Lumar Window Film for uh, William Clyde Elliott II. Denny Hamlin actually running the Mavis Tires scheme this weekend. Uh, Menards and Pennzoil for Ryan Blaney, a multi-time winner at Talladega. Quick Tie Products and uh, for Chandler Smith and Colleague. Uh, one half of the Shake and Bake is Chase Briscoe running the Old Spice scheme. Brennan Poole, Finance Pro Plus in the 15, uh, Action Industries for A.J. Allmendinger, Build Submarines for Christopher Busher, Bass Pro Shops for Martin Truex Jr., DeWalt, Christopher Bell, Dex Imaging for Harrison Burton, uh, Darrell Walsh Jr., Lidos, Exalta on the 24 for Byron, Morris Shea Bridge Company, Inc., whatever that is, for Justin Haley, Love's Travel Stops for Michael McDowell, Riley Herbst in a in a front row motorsports vehicle. They don't have anybody listed. Uh, when he ran the last time, I swear he was driving a Sunny D car. The last time he he raced, I think it was at Daytona. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe we'll see what happens with that. Georgia Peanuts for Todd Gilliland. Uh, Wonder Bread for uh, Ryan Priest or Ricky Bobby, I guess, for this weekend. Carson Hosevar 
uh, will continue to fill in at the number 42 for Legacy. Uh, McDonald's will be on the 45 for Tyler Reddick. Uh, o. Richard will have Sara Lee Artesano Bakery Bread. Uh, Biohaven Jacob Companies for J.J. Ailey. Um, Keebler Gibbs has Monster Energy. Ty Dillon Ferris Commercial Mowers. B.J. McLeod with Gunk. And then Daniel Suarez with Tootsies uh, on the car. All right, so I'll uh, I get to go first. And um, this uh, the super speedways, the Fords, definitely they are not great in a lot of areas, but on the super speedways they seem to have uh, a good they have good pace and they have they're able to draft together since now it's become this manufacturer deal. Um, it is a wild card type of race. You look at the way the playoff standings are. I I mean, I'm leaning one of two ways, but what I'm going to say is, I'm going to keep on doing this. I I might as well. I'm going to say Brad Keselowski gets the victory at Talladega. His last win was at Talladega in 2021 in the spring in uh, the Penske 2 car. Uh, Brad breaks his uh, winless streak uh, at Talladega and advances into the round of eight in the process. My wild card for... This weekend will be, and why not? I'm just going to go Carson Osovar. Why not? He's been running really, really well uh, since he's jumped into that 42 car. So why why not go and carry it over uh, into racing at Talladega? So those are my picks. Uh, Josh, what say you? Yeah, I think for me uh, this weekend, um, I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney this weekend to win. Um you know, he's been good at Talladega in the past, has won in uh, the playoffs at Talladega in the past. Uh, should have won probably at, you know, Talladega back in the spring. Uh, of course, got in last lap wreck with Bubba Wallace there. So, um, you know, was on, on the tail end of that. So definitely had a good car. Uh, to, and, you know, he's been a driver that's performed well at plate tracks. So I'm going to go with him uh, to win this weekend. And then my wild card pick, I'm actually going to go with the other legacy motorsport car and Eric Jones. You know, he's performed pretty well in uh, Talladega in the past. Uh, and definitely he's uh, had a lot of experience, won a restrictor plate race, super speedway race uh, with uh, the 20 car back in 2018 uh, at Joe Gibbs. So he definitely has, knows how to, uh, run up front, uh, there. So yeah, I'll go with him, uh, as my wild card for this weekend. And then, uh, what does the Tate Fogelman algorithm, uh, say for the winner this weekend in the Yellowwood 500? Oh, it says that, oh, wow. Wow. We've never had a, a double here. It's picked Brad Keselowski. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Oh, so that's uh, something. Uh, we will uh, see. So I have to go. Give me a second here. I'm just going and updating that. So the Tate Fogelman algorithm says Brad Keselowski. It's doubling down on you. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, since Josh, you're a uh, usually are very accurate in your choices. But uh, the algorithm, you can't really go wrong with the Tate Fogelman algorithm. It has come through uh, with some entertaining results. But Brad Keselowski, that's a first uh, for for that, For as you mentioned. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. I guess uh, if you like the six car, this might be the weekend. Uh, 
it's either that or you'll end up on a rollback like 10 laps into the race, which will be pretty terrible. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Josh, let us know what's uh, going on in uh, the world of iRacing and gaming, uh, what uh, we should be looking forward to, and what you, if you're going to be uh, streaming by chance. Yeah, I mean, last week uh, we did uh, the NASCAR Draft Master Series uh, at Daytona uh, and still at Daytona, but this week, but they change cars every week. And last week was the uh, 2011 car of tomorrow, 2011, 2012 era, uh, where, you know, without, without the uh, splitter braces on there. So, um, yeah, that was pretty fun and it's, uh, unrestricted. So no, no, uh, restrictor plates there going 240 miles an hour in the draft at Daytona. Definitely have to get out of the gas and even do let a little bit of tap of the brake there, uh, to get the car set for corner entry. Uh, so that was, um, you know, pretty interesting to ever, or didn't ever think that I'd see the day where I'd have to use, actually use the brakes at Daytona uh, mid corner, but I did a few times to try to save the tires. Cause definitely with this car, uh, for whatever reason on the setup, you burn up the right front and the right rear, uh, pretty, pretty quickly. If you go flat out, uh, you know, you'd be finished by halfway. So, um, yeah, ended up actually winning one of those. Um, uh, the last one that I entered, uh, the last, I think, yeah, coming to the last lap, the leader, uh, got, got caught up in an incident on the last lap and I was able to make up uh, a lot of time and pass by him. Um, a lot of the guys were saying in the server that that was karma for how he conducted himself at the start of the race. And, um, yeah, definitely blocked a couple of guys that, uh, the wrong way at the start for some reason. And some guys didn't really like how he, uh, started up the race. And then I guess at the end of the lap car hit the wall and then spun out into his path and took him out there. So, um, yeah, I was in second at that time and managed to, uh, you know, hold on for, for the win there. So, um, yeah, actually finally won on oval for the first time in 2023, had a lot of close calls this year, but, you know, finally won uh, an oval race here this year on iRacing, uh, there. So that happened and then did a lot of racing with the, uh, BMW GT4 over on the Indianapolis road course. And then, uh, raced mostly in the 30 minute open setup session and ran pretty well. Uh, but then, uh, ran in, uh, the fixed setup version was only 15 minute session and took kind of what I learned, uh, driving wise and put it together in that one. And then ended up winning, uh, the 15 minute session, uh, there on, on the road course. So yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, glad, you know, I was able to actually win two races uh, on the same night, uh, road course and super speedway. So, uh, actually, you know, doing something, uh, for once in iRacing, uh, yeah. So, um, I think I did stream one of the races I did, but I didn't win, but you know, it's up there. Uh, definitely was, a uh, a lot of, uh, flat out racing, uh, on, uh, on Daytona there. So continues this week. Uh, I think it's the next gen or it's either the 87 car, or the next gen car. So that might be interesting with, um, the, especially the 87, another unrestricted car with a lot of tire wear going on the repaved Daytona super speedway. So that should be interesting in terms of pace. Uh, how does the tire fall off, uh, over the course of a run? So we'll see how that goes. Um, you got that. And then, um, yeah, well, I think I have to look at the schedule here, but, uh, you got road course side. Let me pull that up. Um, of course, uh, 
iRacing side, Talladega for uh, the Cup Series uh, and the Truck Series going on. Uh, Talladega there, uh, oval only, uh, yeah, fixed. So let's see. Uh, 87s, interestingly enough, the 87s, they probably run Talladega too much at the 87 cars anyways, but they're at Martinsville, so that's kind of an interesting choice there by the schedule makers. Uh, guess they don't have to always follow the real-life uh, series, but there's there's that. ARCA cars are at uh, uh, Homestead, Miami. Uh, trucks is mentioned at Talladega Super Speedway. NASCAR Cup at Talladega. Uh, you got Open Wheel C, so the uh, Indy cars at Homestead. Like we talked about the schedule, they should race there uh, for the real-life IndyCar series. Uh, and then you got the Iowa uh, Speedway for uh, the Gen 4 cars, which that's a fun track. Lots of tire wear uh, with a high-horsepower car. So that should definitely be fun. And then uh, the uh, Xfinity Series uh, at Talladega as well on the oval side. And then on the uh, the road side, pull that up. Uh, we got uh, Ply there. And we've got the uh, Toyota GR Cup at uh, Red Bull Ring. Uh, we've got the... Uh, uh, Formula Ford fixed uh, rookie series at uh, Virginia National Raceway. Uh, Super Formula at Okiyama Circuit. That's a fun track and a fun car there. Uh, Stock Car Brazil at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. You've got the Mustang Skip Barber Challenge at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, the IMSA iRacing Series. Uh, so that's all the IMSA cars uh, at Spa. So that should be fun, uh, especially with the G uh, GTP cars. Got that. Uh, let's see what else. The Formula IR on the Texas Oval uh, this week. Uh, Formula GT3 circuit day uh, led in on on there. Uh, um, the uh, MX5s at Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. So yeah, as always, you know, lots of choices uh, to be able to you know pick and choose with iRacing, of course. And of course, there's always the uh, private leagues and stuff, which uh, people run their own stuff there and uh, run their own series, uh, you know, hosted within iRacing. So that's always an uh, option there too. So yeah, we'll see if we can try to win again this week. Try to do a couple of Talladega races. We'll see how it works there uh, compared, you know, compared to how. You know, it's been on the past with the super speedway stuff. Um, kind of got, kind of got, uh, you know, lucky this week with, or this past week with running Daytona gets all spread out. So there was less chance of getting caught up in the big one as long as you, uh, qualified up front, which she was able to do. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes this week. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, always looking forward to uh, another opportunity, uh, you know, for a win uh, on iRacing. So, uh, of course, you can follow the streams on there. You know, streamed a couple of times uh, this past week on uh, Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 Go on there. Probably try to do some Talladega, as I said, on there. Um, and maybe some other stuff. We'll see. Uh, and then you got um, the Twitter, uh, which I'll post those on, uh, hopefully on uh, Twitter at uh jp i'll find on there on twitter and then uh, of course uh also follow our youtube page which will you know try to post the videos out asap and everything go follow that uh at uh group Strip podcasts on youtube subscribe and you know uh in interact uh or engage with our videos so uh definitely uh as always you know glad to be able to be on of course and you know uh we've seen a new moment here with the algorithm doubling down on one of our picks and everything so you know we'll see how how that goes with a very very likely pick and 
uh, Brad Keselowski there. So it should be should be a fun weekend of uh, racing here at Talladega. And one thing's for sure, it's the algorithm definitely adds to the enjoyment for me because I do not like super speedway racing. But when you pick somebody, especially someone that we don't really usually think about, it's cool. But in this case, picking a guy who has been one of the more successful drivers on super speedways in his career uh, would be a great uh, opportunity and time for him to go and get that victory. Uh, you can find us at uh, find our show at Pod on X. We can find me at PG Matthew twenty eight on X. You can find the Gripster Podcast basically anywhere where you listen to podcasts. But philipgmatthew.com is one place you can go and get that. Get the show. Uh, we're on Podbean. We can. Uh, uh, Josh mentioned, of course, the video feeds on YouTube, the Gripster Podcast YouTube page. Um, trying to think what else uh yeah so we'll uh i think that's about it i mean you're going follow us on twitter x and follow us on uh, philip g matthew 28 and insta um yeah that's so uh, we'll uh see for we'll move on and uh next week episode 189 of the grip strip podcast recap uh cup and trucks at talladega and nfl week four Roundup will go over MotoGP, Moto2, World Superbikes, and then uh, NHRA, which will be racing uh, this weekend at Gateway, and the Bathurst 1000, so one of the biggest races in the whole world. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's last chance, at least for a while, to win the great race. Um, See if he can do that, and how that points situation will be between the Triple Eight team and uh the Erebus coca-cola team and if ford actually has a chance which would be nice since the fords have been uh been sol for most of the season we'll talk about all that we'll preview qatar for formula one cup and xfinity at the roval make our picks and who advances to the next round uh but before that we'll uh Say uh, goodbye and thanks for listening to Grip Strip Podcast. We'll be back next week and uh, thanks for your support. Thank you for listening and we'll see you around the corner.